Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and we thank you so much for what you're accomplishing in each and every one of our lives. Father, we thank you especially for our pastor, Pastor Wade. Father, we thank you for his heart, for his knowledge of you, and for his ability, Lord, to, to transfer that knowledge to each one of us, Father. Give him the words that we need to hear, and give us a heart and the ears to listen. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're going to uh, kind of finish up this part of this, uh, this uh, sermon series about the fight, the fight that we're all in for, not, not necessarily for your soul, because, you know, Christ has already established your eternity through the cross and what he did for you. I want to tell you something. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, there's no fight for that salvation. He's already fought for it. He's already, he already has victory over that. Uh, you've given your life to him. You, your heart belongs to Jesus. Listen, there's no more fight for that. Uh, you are saved by the grace of God, so that's good. But that does not take us out of the struggle of life. It doesn't take us out of the struggle of what we call good versus evil or righteousness versus sin. We still, God left us here uh, to, to glorify his name. You know, I, I'm reminded of something I taught the, ch the youth kids a couple Wednesday nights ago about um, where Jesus said the church or believers are a city on a hill. Uh, we're a, we're a, a light of the world. And it's not, a play, it's not to be hidden, but it's to be shown so that everybody in the house can see. So um, that's when we face this struggle of life we fight in, um, we need to understand that, well, God gives us the strength and the weapons to fight and the knowledge to fight. And that's today's going to be primarily about what we think, okay? Um, and I want to tell you something. Some of the words uh, in the passages of Scripture we're going to talk about are going to be challenging to you, all right? They really are. Uh, what I'm preaching today is not a popular thing. It's not popular in our world today for sure. It, it doesn't, you know, uh, it's one of those things that we, well, when we hear it, uh, it, some, it makes people angry. Uh, but I, I want to ask you a question. When we think about the truth of God's word and how it, and how he puts it on our heart, we, we have a moment there where we can take the truth of God and let it change our lives and our thinking, or we can suppress it and go on about our lives the way we're living them now. And so um, I, I'm just going to challenge you. I'm going to put that out there as we study today. This is found, uh, we're going to be back in Romans again. We're going to read the same passage we did last week. So uh, here we go. I am, this is great. Let's read that underlined part because this church, this message, this verse right here, this, this couple of verses is the foundation for everything we believe. And it's the foundation for how we fight. All right. Uh, the Apostle Paul says this when he writes, ready for what? I am not ashamed of the gospel. Say that again, please. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And listen, when we can get to the point where the gospel makes us bold, not bold to be hateful, but bold enough to love other people to Jesus and tell them the truth, then we're getting somewhere. 
And see, that's what the Apostle Paul says, because this is what he believed about the gospel. The fact that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, was buried and he rose again on the third day in accordance with the scripture. This is what he said about that gospel. Ready? For it is what? It is the power of God for salvation. So it gives us eternal life. Now I want to tell you something. When you walk into eternity, listen to me carefully. When you go to live with Jesus forever, he is king and it goes his way. Amen? So you're not, you're not going to walk into eternity telling what God what to do. All right? So uh, it is the power of God for salvation, but your salvation falls under the kingship of Christ. Because we read in the scripture in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, if we confess with our mouth, listen to this, that Jesus is Lord. What do y'all think that means? Anybody want to guess? When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what are you saying, Jim? Now you're a servant and he's your king, right? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's the power of God to salvation. Okay, let me read on. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. We talked about living by faith last week. Next slide. And for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God from, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to, to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the, creator, or the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged the natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men, likewise, gave up the natural relations with the woman and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceitful, deceit and maliciousness, and they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, uh, still that just, no, uh, foolish, faith, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, 
they also not only do them, but they give approval of those who practice them. This is a tough passage. Okay, but you know what? I want to tell you something. If you let this penetrate your heart and think about it, this is really good news. I want, I want you to know something. Because if we understand that if we just, if first of all, if we acknowledge the truth about God, then, man, hearts can change. Lives can be made better. But also, if we understand the truth about God, we can look out today in our world, seeing what we just read and realize what's going on and know what's happening. We have knowledge about what's happening in our world today through some of the events and things we see and realize they've done one thing, and that one thing is they've suppressed the truth about God in their own lives. And we this is the really great part about that. We have the truth that we can present to them, and if they will listen, God will change their lives. So there's really great things about this, although, you know, it's funny how this scripture was written so long ago, you know, a couple thousand years ago, and it just fits us so well today in what we see in our society. And, you know, with things coming down the pike the way they are and what we're facing in the next month with the elections and all that, you know, I'm kind of uh, wanting to show you some truth about God's word maybe to help you make decisions that you ought to make in the next future about even how you vote, okay? I'm, I'm not, not big on putting politics in the church, but this is what I do want you to think about. I want you to think about how, as we read things like this, how do we vote our values as believers, okay? So that's kind of why I'm, I'm doing this, just so you know. I'm not trying to be subliminal or anything like that, but I'm trying to help you to think about what's best for your family, our church, and our nation as we face these things, and how can we best influence our world as a church? Okay, so let's move on. So here's the truth about God, right? Um, that it, it, if we, the fight is not that hard to win, right? It's really not if we, first of all, quit. Let's read that in that box at the bottom of that slide, please. Everybody read it with you. Ready? Stop suppressing the truth. Do it again, please. Stop suppressing the truth. So, listen, the one thing that we have to do as believers is stop su suppressing the truth. Now, we can ignore the truth, and that happens to us a lot, right? But that's suppressing the truth. We can uh, soften the truth, like, well, it's not as bad as it seems. That's suppressing the truth. There's a lot of things, a lot of ways we can suppress the truth. But one of the, one of the things that, listen, uh, this is... This is what we need to do. We need to take the truth of God. First of all, let it change our hearts and our thinking. We're going to talk about our thinking a little bit. So look at what it says here in Romans 1.20. For his invisible attributes, okay, that's number one. We see God through his invisible attributes. His eternal power and divine nature have been what? What does it say? They've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been seen, have been made. Let's read that right there, church. Ready? So they are without excuse. What I'm telling you is, even those that suppress the truth about God know this, that he's real. That, you know what this tells me about God's word? You know what God's word says here? There are no real atheists. Did y'all know that? Because it says it right there, that, uh, that everyone knows that he's real. Everyone knows that God exists. Everyone knows that, that he's the creator of the universe. Everyone knows that down deep in their heart. The, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, it says this. I love this verse. It's found in chapter 10, I believe. 
No, chapter 3, this one is. And it says that God has made everything beautiful in its time and, and eternity as well. This is a very bad paraphrase, but this is what it says. And, man, and he's put eternity in the heart of man, so they, but the, it's past their finding out. What it's saying in there is this, that God has placed eternity himself into the heart of man, not, and that they, listen, it's, it causes a curiosity in us to find God, right? Of course, he finds us. But here's the thing, he puts it there. No one can, no, no one can deny they can deny verbally, but they can't deny in their own heart, their own conscience, that God is real. And that's what I believe about the, what the scripture says. They can say, well, I'm agnostic or I'm an atheist. But the truth is, everyone knows because God put it in their heart to know that he exists, right? That he's real. So that's what that says. So the thing we need to do is it says is to stop suppressing the truth. Now, as we go into this, look at what it says. Let's just read about how God reveals himself. Ready? What does it say? For what? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. In other words, we see God's wrath poured out on sin. Even it was revealed on the cross where Christ died for the world. I mean, the wrath of God was revealed. And already, who by their unrighteousness, what do they do? They suppress the truth. They don't want to face it. Uh, people don't want to face the truth. I, I'm telling you, the best thing you can do is face the truth. For, ready? Let's read it. For what can be known about God is plain. Hmm. To them because what? God has shown it to them. What is the scripture telling us here? It's kind of preaching itself, isn't it? It's preaching itself telling us that, man, God, it, you know, it's really good news because church, he's paved the way for us. He's pray, paved the way for us to spread that good news about the gospel that it what? That it's the power of God for salvation. He's already paved that way. How? Because he's already shown it. If the Bible says he's shown it to people that we're already going to go out and reach for Christ. This is great news for us. But what we have to do as a church, along with the scriptures, hey, we got to stop suppressing the truth. we got to realize that, man, there's a world that needs saving, and we have the good news, right? Um, and, and, of course, uh, listen, this is not a chew-out session by any means because I realize, man, our church has grown through your evangelism, through my evangelism, for, through people sharing the good news, for, through you inviting your neighbors and your friends to this church to hear the gospel. All that's happening. So what I, I just want to encourage you just to keep this going, right? Because God has already revealed this to your friends. He's already shown it to them. They're waiting on someone to explain it clearly. There's a story in the scripture about Philip, and he and he drives up on a uh, he, he rides up on a guy. He's an Ethiopian, and he's reading the Bible. Doesn't know what he's reading. He's reading out of the book of Isaiah. And God said, "Tell Philip, go up there and explain it to him." He goes up there and he shares the gospel with him. The guy gets saved. The way was already paved. He even baptized him right there on the roadside. That's in Acts chapter eight. You can read about it because God's already paved the way. Now, let's look at this right here, and let's think about the way you think. Next slide. Winning the fight is a state of mind. It just is. It, it really starts here. It starts with what you let in. It starts with how, what you think about. It starts with so many things about your, your thinking. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became what? You know, the other day, 
me and Kobe were out doing something, and I forgot. And sometimes he gets a little hard-headed. You know, he follows me around everywhere I go on the place, and he's always helping me. And he was doing something, and I was telling him, Kobe, stop. Kobe, stop. I, I can't remember what it was, but I remember telling him this. I said, son, what you're doing is futile. <laughs> the reason I said it is because I've been reading this and studying it, you know. And, and he goes, what's that mean, Dad? I said, that means you're wasting your time, right? <laughs> and he got that part. He got that part. So listen, um, there, let's not waste time with futile thinking. Let's stop suppressing the truth and let God work in our lives. Because this is what happens with futile thinking. First of all, your heart becomes foolish and your heart becomes dark. You know the book of Jeremiah tells us, that, you know, uh, I've told you all this before. Everybody says, follow your heart, follow your heart. No, no, don't follow your heart. Because the Bible says your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's hard to hear, isn't it? But if you think about who we are, fallen creatures with a sin nature, then we don't follow our heart. We follow Jesus who lives in our heart, right? So that's the, that's the difference. So uh, then our hearts become dark. So this is what the scripture says to do, to guard your mind. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. How do I guard my mind? You know the Bible is very clear on how to do this. It's re it really is. It's not that hard. Okay, so uh, there's a whole gamut of things if we, that we think about. And there's a whole gamut of things that can dominate our thoughts. Lots and lots of them. Right? And, and they can cause us many things, depression, anxiety, worry, anger. I mean, just go down the list. Um, you know what? I'm not here to make anybody angry this morning. I'm not here to cause any anxiety. I'm here to uh, show you the truth about Scripture. And so I want to tell you how the Scripture tells us to guard our mind. Because that's one of the things we have to do so our thoughts don't become futile. So we're not wasting our time thinking about the wrong things, right? So look at what this says right here. Uh, this is found in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. First of all, I told you you're in a fight, right? You're in a fight. Look at what the Bible says about your weapons that you fight with. It says the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Let me ask you a question. This is really good. What's the stronghold in your life that's causing you to think in futility? What's the one thing that's got you and have you, has you gripped and you can't get away and it's causing you and it dominates your thinking and it's hurting your heart and your mind? What is it? All right. Now, if you now just put that in its place right now, and I want you to realize this one thing and listen to me carefully. The weapons that you have to win that fight and tear down that stronghold, they are not human weapons. They are divine, godly, powerful weapons to win that fight. Right? So if we read it, it says they have divine power to destroy the strongholds, right? Now, ready? This is what I want you to get. Guard your mind. It says what? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you know something good about God? If you know something good about God, raise your hand. That's nearly all of us. 
So if you know something good about God, everything that comes up against what you know to be true about God is something that's trying to cause you to suppress the truth. And you need to understand that, and you need to destroy that argument right now. Make it final in your heart, in your mind. There's nothing more powerful than what I know about God. There's nothing greater than what I know about God. He's the greatest. He, he is the most awesome, most powerful being ever. Final, right? What you know about God. So this is what it tells us to do. Okay, ready? The dark, bold print. Man, this is going to cause some work and some exercise in our lives, right? What does it say? Read it. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. So when those things come into your heart, your mind, they're bringing themselves up against what you know about God, the Bible says capture it. You know what then you're supposed to do with it? Put it on trial before Jesus. Who's greater? Who's more powerful? Who's already overcome that? Put it on trial. Take every thought captive. Look at this. Look at what it says here. Next slide. Next few slides. Uh, Romans 12, 2. What does it say? Do not, do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the Bible tells us the Christian, the believer, is supposed to have a renewed mind through their salvation, the gospel that is so powerful that it gives us salvation. Ready? Read this one. Colossians 3, 2. Ready? Set your minds on the things that are above. And not on the things on earth. What are you thinking about? What's dominating your thinking? How are you guarding so you don't have futile thoughts? Next one, 2 Corinthians 4.18. As we what? Look. What are you looking at? To the things that are not, I'm no, sorry, not to the things that are seen, but what? To the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, means temporary, but the what? The things that are unseen are eternal. So what are you looking at? Where's your focus? Is it on Christ? Is it on your heavenly home? Is it on what God can do in your life today to give you victory? That's important, right? Because we need to guard what is futile. Because this is what happens if we don't. Claiming to be wise, those that reject the truth, those that reject who God is, those that kick him out completely, something happens to them. They become a fool. Claiming to be wise, rejecting the wisdom of Scripture, the wisdom of God, the truth of God in the heart, rejecting all that, something happens to them. They become a fool. And then Psalm 14.1 says what? The fool says in his heart there is no God. You say they are corrupt, they are abominable deeds, just like we've been reading in Psalms. There is none who does good, not one. It's when we understand who God is, his truth, and how he loves us, and really and truly how, how he shows us how to live a righteous life. Now, if we go on, our, I want to tell you, our world has been on a losing streak. 
for a really long time now. And I want to talk to you about the losing streak for just a minute. Because this is what happened to them. They, that what they do? And what? They exchanged, right? They traded the glory of the immortal God for what? Images, right? Resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. So what happens is we suppress God. We push him aside. We, 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 we don't take him into our knowledge. We don't acknowledge who he is. Although his, his truth is there, it's real. We know it is. We, it's like it's so funny because uh, people understand that there's a God, but they just completely reject who he is. And so what they do, they create the own God for themselves. Um, there are a lot of people worshiping a lot of things out there. But I'm just going to say this. When you refuse to worship God, when you refuse to acknowledge him as king, then this is what's going to happen to you. Removing God means this. Everybody serves somebody. Did you know that? God placed it in our nature to worship. Did you know that? Like he put it in your heart to worship. You're created to worship. And when you take him out of the way, your heart because it's deceitful, will find something or someone to worship. And so what happens when we find something else to worship beside the creator of the universe, something happens to us, we start to suppress the truth. And when we start to suppress the truth, we start down the road of the losing streak. See, look what happens here. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts. Because why, why did this happen? Because they pushed him aside. So he gave them up to the lust of their hearts, uh, to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. This is what happened. You know, this has been going on for a really long time. That serpent, he went to Eve, and he says, Did God really say that if you eat of this fruit, he, did he really say this way? Did he really say that you shouldn't eat from this tree? And Eve says, well, he said that we can eat of any tree of the garden except for this one. And God said, if we eat of it, we will die. And you know what the devil said? You know what his answer back was? You will not surely die. Guess what? Eve did, and Adam He's right there with her. I think she was his guinea pig. He was like behind her going, let's see what happens to her, and then I'll eat something. <laughs> That's where the first uh, order of leadership in the family was broke down right there in the garden. Men, you got to lead your family, right? So what happened? She took of the fruit, and she ate, and Adam ate, and therefore death and sin entered the world. And we've been listening to lies ever since. And when we exchange the truth of God for a lie, guess what happens? Death comes. We've experienced in our nation the death of the family. We've experienced the death of heterosexual marriage defined as the only marriage there is. I'm not here to pick on homosexuals. 
We're called to love everybody and to share the truth with them. But this is, this is just truth, y'all. This is just truth. Years ago, when the Supreme Court of the United States made homosexual marriage a federal law and mandate, it began to take us down the losing streak. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Look what it says here. Uh, next slide, please. I just want to move on because i got to hurry. Next one, Nadia. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged the, the, relation, or the natural relation for those who are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural re relations with the woman and were consumed with passions for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves the due penalty of their error. This is, this is, this, I want to tell you, there's something, I know that there's lots of sin in the world and we, and there's lots of things, but I, the Bible has drawn the line about this and in the deterioration of society more than just here. God destroyed entire cities because of this act. It seems that when we go here, it takes us down a road that is undefinable in our morality. What I mean by that is, is now that we have legalized homosexual marriage in our nation, I have watched the line and the boundary move and move and move and move. To the point that, well, that people are defending pedophilia now. Now, believers, I'm not telling you that we should hate anyone because we shouldn't. But here's the one thing that I believe the church is guilty of. And that's not standing on the truth of this we've let it go I'm not saying we should stand up and fight I'm not saying any of that but maybe we should be truthful to people when the subject comes up you can do that in love you can do that without being well you can't hardly do it without being controversial but you can do it and still love them and let them know you love them Everybody who walks through the doors of this church is welcome here. Every single person so they can receive the truth about God's word. This is, the, this is what we understand. I did this kind of like, you know, you see this no God, no truth. You see that? Listen, we, if we can know God, right? And we can know truth. But if we have no God... We have no truth. You understand? Uh, so what we need to understand is what you know puts you on the winning streak. I just want to say this. There's lots of people in struggles in this world today, and we've been lied to about a lot of things. But you, the scripture tells us what is true. And we need to stand on the truth. 
Amen? So let's, let's move on and let's get ready to close this. Um, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, this is what happens. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. <laughs> Those of you that have seen the news lately and you've watched people, literally mobs of people burning cities, tearing down monuments, doing all these things, and you wonder, why aren't they like, why, 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 are they, why do they think that? Why? What is their reasoning behind what they're doing? How do they reason this out? How do they justify it in their minds? When I'm sitting there thinking, we live in the greatest nation on earth. Man, I, everybody, I don't care what color you are, what creed you come from, even what background you are. You, listen, you live in a country with more opportunity than any place on earth. I've been to a lot of those places, y'all. I've been there. I've, see, I've seen what suppression is. I, I've seen what, what, what a, I've seen people living in mud huts with no car and eat once a day. I've been to places where you were not free to worship your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but you could be beheaded for it. I've seen it with my eyes. I grew up in the greatest nation on earth, and I just wonder why other people can't see it. Well, I'm going to tell you why. You ready to hear it? Because they have refused to acknowledge God as their Savior. Therefore, they've been given over to a debased, or some people call it a reprobate mind. They're not able to think and reason this out like many of us. And I'm not putting on us, us on a different plane or pedestal than anybody else. The only reason that you can do it is because you have Jesus in your life. So listen to me. This is, I, I said all that, and I know I've been long, but I want to get to that last side, slide, Nadia, because it, it lists, it goes down the list of things, maliciousness, murder, strife. I mean, you know, the greatest atrocity in our nation today is Roe v. Wade. What about the 60 million babies we're killing every year, or whatever it is? I don't know. It's a bunch. Maybe it's that since we started. I read that somewhere. What about that? And that's all creeds and colors. Murderers, maliciousness, all those things. Why? Because... They've been given over because they've refused to acknowledge God for his truth and who he is. So this is our part in our good news. You know what? I'm not here to hold anybody's feet to the fire or tell them how wrong they are or, or how terrible of a life they live. That's not what I'm here to do. Because you know what? Outside of the saving grace of God, I would be nothing. 
But having the good news that I have, as I go out and I live my, here's, here's what I want you to think about. As you go out and live your life on this earth, you have the news that can change their life. You have it. You hold it. You have the knowledge of Christ Jesus, his life-changing power and what he does for us. You have the influence of how you live next to your neighbors and your friends and all that. And here's the last one. You have the influence when you go to the polls in November. I, I want to encourage you as you do that, and we're going to be talking about this a little more, but vote your values as a believer. Now look at what this says. We, we're going to close with what we open with. And band, I'm going to ask you all to come on up. This is what the Apostle Paul said. And I think if we could get this, this right here, if we could get this truth, if we could hold on to it just for a minute, and we could let it sink into our hearts, this truth, this truth right here, can change the way we think. It can change how you approach other people. Because the Apostle Paul said this word, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because what is it? It's the power of God for salvation. It's the righteousness of God, and I want to be a faithful follower of that. The, the way you live your life out there, live it like this, church. Live it like this. Live it like you're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because everybody you come in contact with can be changed by it. Just love them to Jesus is all I'm saying. Love God, love people. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you've never given your life to Jesus to do that right now as we close our service. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. And I'm just going to simply ask you to pray with me to give your life to Christ, if you will. The Bible tells us whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I guess that's you and I. Amen. So if you want to call upon his name this morning as I lead you in prayer, just simply do so. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, know I'm a sinner, I know I'm a sinner. And I need your grace. I, need your grace. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And I want to ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. For all of my sins. Past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. I pray you change my heart. I pray that you change my heart. Change my mind. Change my mind. I know you rose again on the third day. I know you rose again on the third day. And I believe you can give me eternal life. And I believe you can give me eternal life. Because you live. Because you live. Lord Jesus, I ask you to save my soul. Lord Jesus, I ask you to save my soul. Come and live in me. Come and live in me. Become my king. Become my king. And show me the truth. Show me the truth. It's in your mighty name. In your mighty name. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. I pray. I pray. And I am saved. Lord God, I want to thank you for those that prayed for the first time. I ask that you just bless them.
be with them, Lord God, as they, um, as they go about their day-to-day. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd help me to get in contact with them if they give their life to you for the first time today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, as we close our service, if you gave your life to Christ for the very first time, maybe you've been here several times, you've prayed with me, but you've, you know, you've not filled out a card. Would you do that for me? If, you, if, you've, just, if you've given your heart to Jesus for the first time and you need to, be, need to talk about that with me, when you go out the back, Shane's holding out one of them cards. Just grab one, put your name and phone number on it, and stick it in the box, in the offering box, and we'll call you this week, or I'll call you this week, okay? They'll get that to me. Thank you all for being here. Let's stand up and be dismissed.